Hey, what's going on? Welcome to a Thursday edition of The People Show. Let's get after it. I'm Vic Nazar hanging out with you today. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Dom Elon running the show today. And, of course, you, the people, texting in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A little behind the scenes here. Uh, for whatever reason, Dom dared me to start the show with, hey, we have free things to give away. You have $50 for Matt Eatery right now. So uh, we'll do that right now. We won't even start the show with takes or opinions or questions. Uh, 604-280-0650. We got two gift cards to Match Eatery to give away today. So uh, grab a phone line right now. 604-280-0650. Number five, walking away with $50 to Match Eatery. Plenty going on. Today it is a Canucks game day on uh, Hall of Fame night. Uh, celebrating Daniel and Henrik Sedin and Roberto Luongo as well. Uh, we'll talk to Ken Priestley coming up. In just a few moments, 10 minutes away, and Adnan Verk will join us uh, as well in the back end of the show from MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Pod as well, and the People's Picks on a Thursday night football game today. Patriots against uh, Elon's Buffalo Bills. You feeling hype? Feeling hype? All right. Uh, got the big head nod. First of four games for the Patriots on prime time. Who, who, who thought this was a good idea? Last week on Thanksgiving, this week on Thursday night, next week on Monday night, and I think they're against the Cardinals next week, and then they play the Raiders. Who thought this was a good idea to put uh, this low-explosive offense on uh, on prime time for a month straight? Uh, but, but get used to the, uh, the Patriots in prime time. Again, we'll get to the people's picks in just a bit. But uh, after the show yesterday... Later on during Canuck Central, a big announcement. Uh, it's got a lot of people discussing plenty. Roberto Luongo, Ring of Honor. Uh, it'll be event uh, next year. Uh, you know, I, I know it's been uh, primed for discussion over the last 24 hours. Is it the right move? Is it the wrong move? Should they have done something else like a jersey retirement? All that sort of stuff. I just want you to indulge me for a moment. And I'll, I'll even start this all off with I'll throw you a bone at the end of it okay just bear with me here and I, I, I have a secondary take after all of this but the way to solve all of this just stop retiring jerseys we don't need retired jersey numbers nothing is going to happen all I've seen in the past 24 hours is, well, he did this, and this guy didn't do this, and that's why he should do that, and that's why he should get this, and we shouldn't have done this. We can just stop retiring jersey numbers. That's absolutely an option here. And I know that's hard to take down some, some numbers. I'm just saying in general in sports. We don't need to do this. It doesn't need to happen. And I don't like the idea for the past 24 hours besmirching other people's contributions to the organization, saying, hey, this guy didn't deserve this. He should have done this. They had their time for their respective teams, and it means something to fans for that stretch of time. Kirk McLean had a great... Ten-year here as a Vancouver Canuck, it meant something to a lot of fans. Roberto Luongo had a great tenure as a Vancouver Canuck. It meant something to a lot of fans. Both can be honored. And here's the other thing. The next person to wear it 
Now you have a standard to live up to it. It should mean something to wear number one. you got to live up to a certain standard if you're going to wear a hallowed jersey number. You don't need to get into all these discussions of like, this guy, he's not good enough, and we shouldn't have done this. It just shouldn't be a thing. Just stop retiring jersey numbers. Does not need to happen. And nothing is going to happen if you start doing that. There's no downside. There is no downside. What is it? Oh, one guy might not live up to it? Okay, so the next guy will. That's the idea. That's the idea. And if you know, hey, I'm getting number one, I'm getting 19, I'm getting 12, 16, 22, 33, you better be worthy to get that opportunity to wear those numbers. Just just stop retiring jerseys. It's it, Nothing is going to happen. It's going to be okay. And a day that should have been celebrating yesterday about another marquee member of a great team uh, in Vancouver Canucks history, suddenly it's just all about, oh, should they have done this? Should they have done this? Now, having said all that, I said I would throw you a bone by the end of it. Having said everything, I understand this is my idealized version of the world. Just don't need to retire numbers. Having said all that, Roberto Longo's number should be retired. <laughs> if we're living in a world where reti- jerseys are retired, number one should be retired. It's it's really as simple as that. Because I, I I don't see the distinction between uh, Pavel Bure's contribution as a member of the Vancouver Canucks and Roberto Luongo's. There's there's amazing talents, a prolonged run in the playoffs, a decent chunk of time. Again, amazing talent. One that people in out-of-markets would pay money to go see, would wish that player was in your city as well, constantly. One of the stars of a long era of hockey. Just should be retired. That's that's the bottom line. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I said I'd throw you a bone on, on, on picking a side. But as far as uh, Jersey retirements in general, just just don't need to do it. Just don't need to do it. Again, this might seem like a oh oh that's a soccer thing. So what? <laughs> so what? I the, the the other thing too is like you have to think a hundred years down the road too. So what happens if if the Canucks have two great teams here and fourteen more jerseys get retired, seventeen more? We're gonna have triple digit jersey numbers because the NHL is gonna be around for a hundred years. The NHL is gonna be here for a long time. At some point. This is going to become a problem. I'm solving the problem right now of not having your 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 great-great-great-grandchildren having to buy 142 on their jerseys. So thank me later. Just just don't need to retire jerseys. It's, it's real simple. 650-650. You're an idiot. Uh, that's uh, with an apostrophe just for future reference. Not you're an idiot. Uh, make sure you get that R and the E in there as well. Uh, this one... Uh, Vikingstad. Luongo's number isn't being retired because of ownership. Let's get real. They mended a bridge a bit, but this is about Francesco Aquilini. And this one, uh, is Luongo even on par, even in the realm of the other players that have had their jersey retired by more than one franchise? Gretzky, Howe, Bork, etc., etc. That one is from Johnny B. Good. See, I don't even think that's relevant. It's just, what did it mean to you? That's all that matters. What did it mean to you as a Vancouver Canuck? Not, oh, he was this as a Florida Panther or this as a New York Islander. What did it mean to you as a Vancouver Canucks fan? And you'd be hard-pressed to to find an argument that says he wasn't phenomenal as a Vancouver Canuck. 
Phenomenal. One of the best. Uh, 650. You don't need to retire jerseys. You also don't need to repeat sentences 40, 47 times. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much. 650, 650. All right. A lot to get into today. Dom, Canada, didn't get a point at the World Cup. It's official. Tough, tough match to uh, not get a result in after uh, three... Canada's leaving with zero points. We've talked a lot about expectations and raising expectations and moving the goalposts throughout this World Cup. Uh, mine was get a goal, Ugh. get a point. And we talked about it through the, the process, and you know, you're like, hey, go for more, go for more, and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so I was like, hey, man, they still got matches, they still got matches, and no points. So yeah, I, I'm now I'm a little disappointed. A little disappointed? Yeah. It's. I'm very disappointed. There's a fat zero next to their W and points column. The expectation of getting one, it would look just nice. Uh, Losing sucks. It really does. That's what it comes down to. Losing sucks. I don't care if they're they didn't have expectations going into this tournament. And and, and this is still a springboard into what 2026 can sure. be. But Hopefully. but uh, again, there were still expectations to also. You know, we, we've had that conversation with the women's team. Change the color. You know, start changing the results so it's not zeros in the uh, points column at the at the men's World Cup. I'm gonna get philosophical with you. Always, we like all have a finite amount of time on this earth before we die. We kick rocks. The amount of opportunities the teams you cheer for and the countries you cheer for have to win championships isn't infinite. And the amount of opportunities that Canada will have to get into a World Cup. Sure. Is it? It's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So every single chance you have at it, I I want to go for it. Now, they went down their way, right? And, and that's sure. one thing. I, actually, I, I know we've talked about this, but I really like that they didn't park the bus and just say, hey, let, let's be pragmatic and wait for our moments. They tried to create their moments, right? A, a great deal. Now, look, they get... Uh, an own goal today, uh, and maybe they could have bagged one themselves. But nevertheless, they tried to create their moments, and that's the part where I, I'm, I'm maybe not as disappointed as you because it's, it's it, they tried to do something and they didn't try to play like lock it up shop and and, and played scared. So that's the part I, I really appreciate. Please don't get me wrong. I'm proud of the effort. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in the result. Yeah, especially with now that we know how poorly Belgium showed up to this tournament. There was such a huge opportunity to win that first game. And, and, and the other thing, too, I saw some you know, some people talking about uh, today. It's like, well, Japan is getting results, and, and Costa Rica pushed them. And you know, some of these nations have had longer backlog of opportunity yeah. to play at the wor- World Cup and start to build that infrastructure. And you see just, hey, four years at a time, four years at a time, that bar slowly starts to get raised. And that's the thing that's exciting now about what Canada can do heading into 2026. Obviously, don't live up to... Uh, the the expectation this time for me it's like a C minus D plus it's a passing grade look they got a goal they did half the job for me uh but it, it's still uh sorry two goals sorry one themselves I I, I mean uh it, it's a passing grade but yeah it is uh, still a little short on expectation six fifty six fifty uh <laughs> people texting in about the uh uh, 
Jersey retirement here. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, do the Montreal Canadiens honor numbers versus retiring because they already run out? Brandon in Coquitlam. See, that's the thing. It's like you can still honor these players. There's nothing stopping you from honoring these players. Build statues. I think statues is a bigger honor than Jersey retirements. 100%. I think statues are a bigger deal than uh, just seeing the banner. Uh on and on and on again. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, Ken Priestley, who joins us on Thursdays, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, NHLer and two-time cup champion. Ken, how are you? Good, Vic. Yourself? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Uh, hey, uh, what was it like on these on these ceremony days, uh, getting ready for a game? Because tonight's a big one, Hall of Fame. Uh, do the juices get uh, revved up, or is it a bit of a, a slow, slow burn uh, to get into the game? Uh, you know what? I, th- I think it's exciting. It's, it's definitely something that... Uh, is planned ahead of time. They don't just do it uh, the night before and tell you. They give you mm-hmm. lots of time to adjust to what's about to happen on, on the ice, right? And I think if you were lucky to play with the player, uh, then there's a little bit more excitement. If it, it was just something that it was uh, that was something you played against or you were a fan of, um, it's still very exciting. It's, a, it's an exciting moment for anybody to have this happen to them. And uh, I think it's just, again, it's just one of these experiences that you go through as a player and, uh, and then um, it just makes you a better person. That's all. Uh, game goes tonight, seven o'clock against the Florida Panthers. You'll hear it here on Sportsnet six fifty. Yeah. So the last game uh, doesn't go well, and probably I, I think it's safe to say it was Elias Pettersson's worst game. Uh, now I, I'm actually expecting a, a pretty entertaining game tonight because you'll see uh, Elias Pettersson bounce back. You played with some great players as well. You know what was the mood like after a bad performance from one of the greats that you played with? I, I really don't think it becomes a, a a bad mood because one individual player had a bad night. I mean, I think I was very fortunate to play with arguably one of the best in the world, Mario Lemieux, and, you know, he played well almost every single night. But there were nights where he had his off days and wasn't feeling very well, but no one ever really puts it on one player. Sorry. And I was I was always that one guy. That was Let me rephrase that. that I, like, like, what was... The, the the player's mood of like, hey, like I have to come back. and Because like, most great players know that, like, hey, if I have a bad game, I'm not living up to my standard. Like, what was the player's mood of, of after that? And, and how do the guys kind of respond? Because you know you're going to get a focused performance. Yeah, I think I think the player individually, for sure. The player individually knows what, uh, and any player does, whether you're a fourth liner or you're the top guy. I mean, you, you know if you... Uh, if you did, you were a no-show that night, and you always want to make sure that you give your best, and or at least bounce back and give a better effort. Uh, whatever the circumstances were, that that game was that game. But uh, you try and let it go as quick as you possibly can. And um, you know, these guys are per- again professional athletes. That uh, any given day, uh, something could be wrong, and and you have no idea why. It's just it's just not working for you. You try and work out of it and do other things, contribute other ways. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, that one game is going to uh, is going to basically decide uh, anything for Elias. He's been he's been great so far. Um, uh, one one night off that it wasn't his uh, his best effort or wasn't his best production. Um, I'll give him one, and I bet you you see a better one tonight. Uh, we got a lot of uh, questions on the post game show on Tuesday night, and say. How come the first game back home after a road trip is the difficult one? I'll pose that to you. Uh, what, what what made it so difficult? You know what? That's, that's a good question. I mean, it, it for some reason it just is. Uh, it's not. It, it doesn't always work that way. But uh, sometimes when uh, I think the travel is uh, the distance of travel and the 
the amount of time that you spend on a plane and the, and the time change is always a, uh, maybe a little bit more significant for Vancouver than you say Pittsburgh, where mm-hmm. you're, you're traveling the East Coast all the time, and you know the flights are an hour, hour and twenty, and and here they're four and five hours. You know, there's there's differences there for sure. Um, time changes are different, but um, it 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 does happen. I think it's one of those one of those things as a as a team and as a coach, you may want to try and deflect it some other way. Hey, this is our first game back. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're back in our own rink. Let's get a good start. Let's get something, get a good hit in first. Uh, you know, make sure you get involved early so that uh, if you're not feeling good and your legs aren't there, at least this is something to jumpstart you. Talking to Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It here on the People's Show from Dunbar Lumber, two-time cup champion as well. Uh, so looking ahead to um, for for what's coming up here, there's there's three home games. And they've talked about uh, Bruce the other day that, hey, they want to win these next three. And, and clearly they set expectations of wanting to get six points out of this homestand. Traditionally, we've looked at it as if you go on the road, uh, you, you want to get 50%. How did you try to approach uh, what point extraction you wanted to get out of homestands? I think you, know, you want to win as many possible games at home. I mean, these are these are huge. They're in front of your own fans. Uh, the, the comfort level should be, as a group, should be just that much uh, that much greater for you. Um, you want to you want to play your best hockey at home. There's no question about it. We you go on the road and you and the, you know the stat is or the or the consistency is for most teams is you want to play 500 and you play 500 on the road and, and, and you win your home games, uh, you've had a pretty good season. So the, the expectations at home are always higher. There's just absolutely no question. You should feel more comfortable. You should be comfortable in your own room, your own surroundings, your own bench. I mean, everything should just be that much better. And it's, it's difficult when you get on a, on a different streak, you know, maybe not a winning streak, but you lose a couple at home and all of a sudden things just get that much bigger they get blown way up more out of uh, out of proportion for you you feel a lot uh, a lot heavier your legs start to get heavy if things aren't going well because not only are you uh, you're not hearing it on the road from fans but all of a sudden your fans at home don't uh, don't appreciate the effort and and things don't go well and it just it just snowballs from there so playing at home and getting a good start in games is, is always the key there's a little bit of focus too on two of the wingers right now on this team, and it's Brock Besser and Connor Garland. You know, obviously we we know the contract situations that they, they make a pretty penny, um, but the, their their usage is a lot lower than what you would expect for some guys who can put up points in this league. And obviously, McCabe and Kuzmenko have come in, and they found a home next to uh, Patterson, and, and JT Miller's gone to the wing, so it's maybe clouded things a bit. But you know, what are you seeing right now in those two players' games? Because they're meant to be offensive players, but you know, they're, they're playing you know twelve thirteen minutes a night right now yeah it's definitely a struggle i mean those those two guys get paid well and and are expected to contribute uh you know largely to this team's offense and this team's success and and things have gone sort of sideways for them a little bit i mean they're they're contributing in other ways but uh when you're you're paid to be a goal scorer and you're paid paid you know you're paid to to the success of this team uh when it comes to winning and scoring goals um it, it's a lot harder for for teams to or for yourself as a player even as coaches to put those guys out there you want to put them out there because you know that they can contribute and they know that they can do a good job it's just uh when it's going the way it's going for those two players it's uh it's just become it's frustrating i, I don't know how to 
I don't know how to say it in other words. It's, it's just a very frustrating time for those two. And you can see them doing things that they don't normally wouldn't do just to look like they're contributing, right? They're, they're on the assist side of things or they're hitting more or, or they're just, you know, they're passing you, but these guys are goal scorers. They got to start shooting the puck. They got to start finding the net for the, the best of those two players to come out. Garland in particular too, because you know, it, it's tough for him to find a role because a power play, he's not really going to get power play one time. He's not going to get featured on the PK and, and it just, it's hard to find a role for him. Even five on five, it just feels like okay, we'll throw you out there. Maybe you can get a point. You know, how important was it for for you? Did you find that you know coaches kind of defined what they wanted specifically out of you? Well, I think when you when you come from a from a team like Arizona, like like Connor came from, he you know you you're put in situations when you play for the Coyotes, right? And then and and those situations may be more offensive time for you uh, when you come to a team that uh, that already has these offensive players. Um, you're there to contribute for sure, but you may not get as much time. There's only a certain amount of puck that can go around, right? And um, if, if all of a sudden you start sliding from top power, top power play or top five on five and you start going no four on four and all these offensive opportunities that you were seeing in other team situations, you don't see it in, um, in the now the team that you've been traded to. Uh, it's only a matter of time before your, your numbers start to decline it's just uh you got to find a way to be a different player you have to find a way that uh you're going to contribute in other ways and then when you do get your opportunities you got to find a way to make the best of them so it's uh you know i played in the minors and, and was very offensive player and and every time that i got called up you're put into a different role whether you're defensive and you're the fourth line you're just not put into those situations to be successful and as a person as an individual as a player um, you tend to say, "Hey, if I don't uh, if I don't score, what am I doing here?" You know, and sometimes that's uh, that's a difficult thing to get out of. You just got to make sure that the situation that you're put in, uh, you're playing at the best of that uh, the best of that situation, and 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 just hope for the best, and uh, just keep working, and hopefully things come uh, come to you. Uh, great stuff, Ken. We always appreciate it. We'll uh, talk next week. Yeah, enjoy the game, guys. Take care. Ken Priestley, our guy, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, joining us here on the People Show, two-time cup champion, uh, longtime NHLer as well. All right, uh, got to go to break. Adnan Verk will be on the other side from MLB NHL Network. Uh, what's going on with his Flyers, man? Ten in a row. They finally do get a W uh, against the Islanders the other night, but nevertheless, it has been difficult uh, for them. Uh, coming up on Sunday, myself, Randy Janda, we are teaming up with Matt Heatery in Public House and, of course, Sportsnet 650 for Sportsnet 650 Sunday at Cascades Casino in Delta. Looking forward to seeing you all on Sunday for all the marquee matchups from 1 to 5 o'clock. Matt Heatery in Public House offering you the social traditions of a neighborhood pub with the high energy of a sports bar. Stop by for a chance to win a bunch of stuff. Pair of Canucks tickets, pair of tickets to the Seahawks game on December 11th. That is next weekend. Uh, also a smart speaker. We'll have some 650 gear for you as well. And uh, hang out with me and Randeep. It's like a prize. It's almost like a prize. It's kind of like a prize. Randeep in particular. This guy's just so much fun to be around. Uh, Matt Eatery and Public House located at the new Cascades Casino next to the Massey Tunnel. Uh, one more gift card to give away, 604-280-0650. A $50 gift card being handed out. I'll uh, do that on the other side here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
Welcome back to the People's Show. Vic Nazar here on the Home of the Canucks, coming to you live from the Kintex studio. Big shout out to uh, Rager and Brian for picking up our Match Eatery gift cards. $50. Use them on Sunday. Use them another time. Come out on Sunday and save it. You've got plenty of options when you uh, pick those up. Uh, one more to give away uh, tomorrow. We'll connect with Adnan Verk in just a moment here. Uh, also, uh, tomorrow, uh, City News 1130 and the great big Give Holiday Breakfast happening tomorrow uh, from 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, you get to kick off the season in style with a loving spoonful and City News 1130 for a delicious breakfast by donation, a minimum of $5. Uh, at the Fountainhead Pub tomorrow, anytime between 6 to 10 a.m., uh, anyone who attends, you got a chance at an awesome door prize. And City News 1130 will be on location as well. You can make a donation uh, for a possible opportunity to be on air as well. All donations uh, will help support a Loving Spoonful programs and the new kitchen. Get the details on the events page at citynews.ca. Joining us now, at Adnan S. Verk on Twitter uh, from MLB NHL Network and the Cinephile Pod. Adnan, how are you? I'm doing good, Vic. It's uh, it's funny. We've all had the soccer fever here, and I've been uh, debating this question in my own head. So the good news is we did score a goal. Of course, mm-hmm. Davey scores in that second match. Now, today, I didn't actually get a chance to watch. It's kind of like, eh, it's nothing to play for. We don't beat Morocco, whatever. So I see it's 2-1. I'm like, oh, at least we scored two goals. But I look it up, and I see that it was an own goal as a defender. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my issue. To me, because in hockey, if a guy shoots... No, Adnan, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. But... But my thing is this, if it goes in off the defender, then you still get credit for the goal, obviously. The only way that it should be no goal is if the keeper kicks it, it goes off the defender and goes no back way. for that. The ball's Think not going it, towards it, the net. That's the rule. The ball's not going towards the net. And if it gets redirected then into the net, then it's an own goal. No, because that ball, unless the defender literally kicked it to himself and then kicked in the net, then that's an own goal. But somebody initially had to kick the ball, and it was a Calgarian, if I'm not mistaken. I know we're rivals here with Alberta, but I just spoke <laughs> to Calgary earlier, and they completely agreed with my hypothesis. The Calgarian kicked the ball. It went off the defender. That's a goal for Canada. We scored two goals, damn it. But, but, but it isn't going towards the net. That's the thing. I hear it, but I'm like, my point is, the rule of physics is that goal would not go in unless somebody initially kicked it. Right? If the keeper kicked it and went off the defender went in, then yes, that is an own goal. No Canadian touched the ball. But if a Canadian touched the ball at some point, then he should get credit for the goal. See, see now I could argue in that in hockey, we, we make it too easy for people to get goals. And if it goes off somebody, we should have an own goal category. No, that's lousy. Are you kidding? We need more categories in hockey? Like, people really don't like the overtime losses and shootout <laughs> losses. Nonsense. We have an own goal category? Come on. That's an own I, goal. I'm the, no. No, there's no way. I like I like the analytics. My buddy Mike Johnson all over expected shots, expected goals. I'm getting into that stuff. I don't even own goal category. That's that's even worse than my hypothesis, Big. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, while we're on hockey, I, I want to touch on something here. I started the show. Uh, you know, Roberto Luongo is getting his jersey retired, all which is fantastic, and I do want to get your opinion on that. But I yeah. I, I I just don't like jersey retirements. While we're talking about soccer, because soccer doesn't really do it, and and you still have to uphold the honor of wearing another number. I I think we don't need jersey retirements. That's interesting. I went and saw my beloved Flyers, as you know, when they played the Sharks, and I was looking up at the rafters, and it's interesting. I'm not sure how it is in Vancouver, but there's jerseys retired, and then there's numbers honored, which to me, I don't understand this concept. So, you know, uh, Bernie Perrant or Bobby Clark is good enough to have his jersey retired, but, you know, Mark Howe and Eric Lindros, they're just honored. They're not, they're, the 88 is not retired. So I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Either you retire the jersey or you don't. 
I don't like this idea of, well, honored versus retired. Now, to your point, the whole concept of retired, I'm like, I understand it, again, as a level of appreciation, but I'm kind of with you for this reason. If a guy wears a number, he's paying homage to that guy. I'm like, and nobody's expecting mm-hmm. him to be as good as whomever. Like, if whatever Harold Snaps' jersey number was, if the guy's wearing, he's like, oh, dude, I grew up a huge Harold Snaps fan. I love the Canucks growing up. I get to play for Vancouver. I want to pay homage to Harold Snaps. I'm going to mustache, et cetera. Like, Richard Brodeur, whomever. Like, I, I think it's a way to honor the greats because then every time you see that jersey, you go, oh, that reminds me of whatever. And by the way, that will lead to lots of scuttle about somebody saying, oh, he's not worthy of wearing that number. Okay, fine. That's great. But the point is, that number should still be there. The one that do it the worst is the Yankees because they've retired so many, it's ridiculous. It ends up being diluted. And it's the most historic franchise in North American sports, of course. I got it. 27-time world champions. But you can't retire like 27 numbers. It's ridiculous after a while. That's what I'm saying. It's like at some point, like Major League Baseball, all these sports, like they're going to last for hundreds of years here. So what – like. I'm saving your great great grandchildren from wearing jersey 114 or something like that. Like yeah. that's gonna look goofy, <laughs> right? Like this is essentially yeah. is, is not at all, but this is essentially like the climate change, you know, conversation here. Let's let's make a decision now for generations in the future. Yeah, what I like about it is, <laughs> of course, you're honoring the player, but yeah. I'm with you on the no retirement. If somebody said to me, "We're gonna honor Luongo by having a night in his honor, like a Roberto Luongo night," and we'll put his his number up to the Raptors, but it's not retired, then I'd be okay with that. I do like the idea of going to a game and looking up and seeing Luongo. Like, that's cool to me. But I'm with you. It doesn't necessarily have to be retired. You can still wear the number if you want. 100%. Uh, again, I misspoke earlier. Luongo's not being retired. He's going to the Ring of Honor. Uh, there it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so my apologies on that one for misspeaking for a minute. But, you know, I, I did say, like, I, I understand, like, our conversations are very idealized. You know, numbers are going to be retired. Uh, but you think of, like dominant players uh you know like what is your barometer of how and why a player should get retired because i look at roberto luongo here uh in vancouver to me it was always automatic and uh yesterday's announcement was surprising to me to say the least Luongo's guys it's fascinating because normally with most players you, know, you think of the one team that immediately comes to mind but i really do with luongo fighting because i go yeah panthers too but canucks man like he got a great run like and there's no doubt that's the only cup final, the way that Luongo at times was so schizophrenic. The fact that it could be sensational or go for softy. It was part of what made the team so fascinating and made them in some ways so polarizing. But at his best, like, his numbers are incredible. Like, I, you probably have them in front of you, but we're over 400 wins and sub three goals against. And, I mean, just I, – I just remember his reflexes and his quickness. Like, especially on those Panthers teams, there were some bad teams. Mm-hmm. It was the only reason to watch that team. He was like – like in some ways, like a Hellebuck or a Curtis Joseph, like would seemingly face 40 shots a night and have no issue with it. It was almost better the more rubber he faced. And then with Vancouver, it was a better team, and he was still different. He was still strong in net, but he was he was able to adapt a little bit. So uh, Luongo, great guy too. Like anyone who talks in the media, always says how funny he was and colorful. And I know he's in some media post post hockey. It's great to see Vancouver recognizing him because I I've always loved Luongo as a player. Uh, you mentioned uh, your Flyers there. What's going on? Uh, ten in a row, uh, L's, oh. and and now finally on Tuesday they do get a win, but uh, it's rough. It's rough, Vic, and I and I never want to use injuries as an excuse. But I watched that game again. I was on Hulu here in America on ESPN Plus, and I'm watching the entire thing. And I go, who the hell scores goals on this team? Like it with with Konechny out and Couturier gone till March, and news that Ellis is now not going to play again. The other, are you kidding me? They get Ryan Ellis and think, all right, you pair him with Provorov. He's a number one or a number two defenseman. Hasn't played. 
to be two full years of not playing. I'm like, oh, my God, what a disaster. And Katuria, as I mentioned, he's not going to be there until March. Van Riemsdyk's out. Not that he's that great anyways, but he'll score you some goals. Connecting is actually a spark plug. He's out. Like, you're expecting a lot of Kevin Hayes. You're expecting a ton of the Owen Tippett. And you think they're going to carry this offense. So that game, unsurprisingly, it was Carter Hart who had to steal the show. He's the only guy who's got like, the strong force of this team. Because I don't know how they're going to score goals. But the only upside is Tortorella is as entertaining as ever in the midst of that horrific 10-game winless streak, which is tough to forget now. The Flyers did open with three straight wins at 5 of 7 before going in the toilet. Tortorella, when asked about Morgan Frost's play, said he's been more up and down than a toilet seat. I mean, talk about Clint the crapper. Tortorella taking shots at Morgan Frost. Hilarious. Uh, talking to Adnan Verk from NHL MLB Network and the Cinephile Pod as well. Uh, so some news trickling in, uh, uh, start of baseball free agency, and, and also some, some coaching news. Uh, Blue Jays adding in uh, Don Mattingly. Uh, Donnie Baseball, uh, what to expect here with this move? Love it for a variety of reasons. He managed seven years in Miami. Now, you have wonderful climate there in Vancouver, but most 61-year-old white men are not going from Miami to Toronto. Normally, go the other way around. So I'd like to see Don Manley pulling off the reverse here. Seven years in Miami, who was the manager of the year in 2020, but ultimately, Vic never had a good team. Like, you looked at that team and said, all right, small market. He's going to have to get the best of what he can, young players, et cetera. He wins manager of the year. I mentioned in 2020. Sandy Alcantara, Cy Young this year. But they're not really going anywhere. And good luck, by the way, in that division against the Mets, who have more money than anybody, the Phillies who just made the World Series, and they're going to go spend and get a premier free agent shortstop, and the Braves won the World Series two years ago. So Madeline and Miami part ways. Fascinating to me, he takes Toronto as a bench coach. Because to me, Madeline should take a year off. He'll definitely get another gig and go from there. But he's never won a championship. Mm-hmm. And Madeline probably looks at Toronto and goes, hey, they have championship aspirations. I can come in there and be the bench coach. I can be the guy to be a hired hand. But this is where it gets really fascinating. John Schneider is the manager. Grew up in Jersey. You know his favorite player? Don Mattingly. You know how crazy that must be to look to your right and go, I got Don Mattingly now giving me advice. Now, Schneider is a relative neophyte. He takes over last year from Montoyo and does guide them towards the playoffs. But you're telling me right now, Bick, this Toronto team is expecting to win the division and definitely make the playoffs. You're telling me if there's like a 10-game losing streak in June, everyone's not going to be clamoring for Donnie Baseball to take over? Like, this is going to be fascinating to me. I hope they can coexist. I hope Schneider and Madeline have a great relationship. But, God, if I'm John Schneider and I saw that news, I would take a big gulp and go, oh, man, here we go. Like, I got this guy, this vulture right over my shoulder. And, again, I don't think Madeline took the job with the idea that I'll be the manager one day, but we all know when a guy gets fired, who is generally the next man up? The bench coach, especially when he's a nearly Hall of Fame player and a manager who's had considerable success. Uh, we see the first big signing, too, as well, uh, with uh, Jose Abreu going to Houston. So the rich get richer. Uh, I want to kind of look at both sides of this, but uh, when, when you look at the, the money that he, that he signs for, uh, checks out for you? It's one of those that I'm like, Jose Abreu is just, this guy has been one of the great run producers in the yeah. game the last ever, – ever since he's been the majors, right? You go, oh, my God, this guy's an RBI machine. And I know RBI are devalued now. It's is not as important. Last time I checked, he's still going to drive guys in two score runs. And Abreu has done that on the south side. And that's a big deletion there for Chicago. I know he's 36, but he's shown no signs of wear or tear, and he's been really productive. And as soon as I saw it was Houston, I just rolled my eyes. And go, are you kidding like, they really needed that guy for their offense? Like, that's another strong player, another upgrade for Houston. So it's, it's frustrating to see it. But I did think the numbers checked out. I thought Miami would have been perfect. Huge Cuban population there. They really need some offense. They could overspend a little bit to get him. I thought, like, three years, $60 million, you can get a break. Maybe three years, 55, something like that. But he takes Houston, which shows, ultimately, he wants to be a winner. 
and Houston wants to go out there and get another ring. So that makes a lot of sense for both sides, no doubt. For the Chai Sox, though, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about them, you know, with, with the manager hiring and, and everything. And, and it, it feels like, I don't know, did a window pass them by? And, and maybe this is the guy that, that's the perfect embodiment of it, right? And, and as you mentioned, he's going to turn 36 in, in January. Uh, did a window pass them by, or, or are we expecting a resurgence from them? I think the window's passed them by, man. Like, everyone thought they were going to win the division this year, and they were just chronic underachievers. Like, they, they certainly had their moments. Dylan Cease was up for the Cy Young. He had a sensational year. Lance Lynn was up and down. So was Lucas Giolito. But offensively, they never really got on track. And they had a lot of deletions and guys in and out of the lineup, Tim Andersons and, and players that elk, but they never really got rolling. And you kept saying to yourself, well, they have so much more talent. They'll be fine. But eventually they weren't. Now, they were better without Tony La Russa, so those who say managers don't matter. Well, Miguel Cairo, you can check the numbers. They clearly were a better team once he was in there. But when they had that showdown series against Cleveland, the Guardians pushed them around there in September, and that's where they ended up winning that division. So I think so, man. If, if Cleveland's now the division champion, they're not getting any worse. They've got great young pitching and another manager of the year there in Terry Francona and Jose Ramirez and Stephen Kwan, all the rest of it. So for Chicago, I, I think they still think they're good enough to win because it's a bad division. They're not the favorites anymore. That's going to be a different feel now, especially losing a Brave. Uh, now that we're starting to see some dominoes fall, uh, you got to send a message to your guy Booney there. Be like, hey, what's going on with the uh, the Aaron Judge contract going right now? Yeah, it, it's funny. I've been texting him, and he's Booney's an avid MLB Network viewer. Like, if I, <laughs> if I say something he doesn't like or someone else, like he's texting. So I, it always is funny. I, I mean, it, for you, it'd be like if you said something critical of the Canucks, and Bruce Pedro's like, hey, what you're saying there, Beck? So it's kind of funny that. You know, people are actually watching and caring, and, and a good friend of mine is a manager of the Yankees who's doing so. But I, I saw those numbers, man. I'm like, are you kidding me? Eight years, $300 million? Bick, if he's legitimate in saying he wants to be a Yankee, how does not that get it done? Right? The AAV, the average annual value, the highest in the game is Trout. Trout's a three-time MVP. He makes 35.5 a year. Eight years, 300, which I believe to be accurate, is 37.5 a year for a guy who's going into his age 31 season. Like, that's, that's taking you from 31 to 38. Like, dude. Originally, it was 7 for 213. It's still pretty lofty to pay a guy, as we just saw with Abreu. It's tough to pay a guy in his late 30s. But I get it. You're Aaron Judge. But he doesn't have, like, a huge track record. Like, 2017, he's played five years. Okay. Had one of the greatest offensive seasons ever. I totally understand that. So, seven years, 213 becomes eight years, 300. That should be good enough. And if you look at Pass's report, he says there's even a little bit more room to wiggle. I still think, and maybe this is just a little bit uh, clever thinking on my part. I'm trying to be too cute for my own good. But Garrett Cole makes 324, and I think Judge wants to be able to say, I make the most money on the team. I want $325 million. If I'm not mistaken, Stanton also got 325, 326 in the Marlins, although the Yankees are not paying all of that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Ego doesn't play a part in that. But I like eight years, 325, and he stays with the Yankees. And barely very smart to get that number out there. Because if he leaves to be able to dodge the Giants, you go, really? Like, we're offering you $300 million. That's not enough for you? I can't imagine, Bick, L.A. goes, yeah, we'll give you eight years, 360. Like, eventually, the number's going to slow down. To me, that's a really fair offer from the Yankees. Uh, winter meetings as well, coming up. Uh, what are you expecting to hear from uh, uh, what comes out of there? Yeah, I did not get the trip to San Diego, so I'll be <laughs> hanging out here in Jersey as all my friends go enjoy some San Diego sun on behalf of the network. But it's interesting. Winter meetings used to be a ton of activity and just a flurry of moves. Now it's slowed down a little bit because these guys work out year-round. They're in great shape. And Scott Boris controls so many of them. And he says, listen, it's okay if we sign January 20th. Spring training opens Feb 15. We can sign February 5th. It's okay. 
Like Correa is one guy to me that I go, there's no way that dude's signing until the new year. There's just no chance. Like he'll just he'll just wait it out. He stays in good shape. He'll wait for the best offer, and away we go. But as you know, everything is reactionary. And the free agent shortstops to me are fascinating, whether it's Correa, Trey Turner, who's the best of the lot, Xander Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson. I think one of those four gets taken off the board at the winter meetings. And I feel like it's Trey Turner. Apparently the Phillies are very aggressive towards him. The Cardinals are very interested. Judge is the biggest name. But ultimately, the best contract that's going to be signed, the player who will give you the most bang for the buck, I believe is Trey Turner. I think he's going to get over $200 million, seven, eight years, whatever it is. But that guy's a stud. Like, you forget about Trey Turner. He hit 298, 21 home runs, 100 RBI, steals 27 bags, terrific defensively. Like, whoever gets Trey Turner is going to be really happy. So I think one of those shortstops gets taken off the board at the winter meetings next Sunday in San Diego, and maybe Aaron Judge gets signed by the Yankees. But we'll see. Uh, some sad news today as well. Uh, Hall of Famer, uh, two-time Cy Young Award winner Gaylord Perry passing away. He was 84 years old. Now I've seen like Pete Rose talk about this, and where he's hitting the ball and he and he sees the spit come off of it. But it's you know <laughs> quite an interesting legacy to leave behind as well. Amazing name, by the way, Hall of Fame name. As a kid, you go, wait, there was a guy named Gaylord Perry. I'm like, oh yeah, guy was a Hall of Famer, and his entire career, as you noted, denied that he cheated, and then writes a book called Me and the Spitter. <laughs> now. I've been looking at some of the stories today. First of all, he wasn't spitting on every pitch. Like, he, he didn't make it clear. I wasn't consistently cheating. But I did definitely did cheat. And as you said, I'd like him to be honored today with a big baseball and a gob of spit somewhere. But it's funny how you can appreciate a guy with, with slate of hand, right? Mm-hmm. If a magician can cheat, it's okay. But if you use technology, that's different. So Gaylord is an example of when baseball cheating was viewed differently. But the guy was an unbelievable pitcher, especially as a workhorse. We use workhorse differently now. I mean, God, if you get to the seventh inning, we think you're a workhorse. This guy legitimately had a rubber arm, 200 innings every year seemingly, wins a Cy Young, 300 wins, you name it. His career was extraordinary, passing at the age of 84, and had a great sense of humor as well. Once when someone asked him about using foreign substances, he said, never. I only use domestic substances. <laughs> we'll miss Gaylord Perry. Uh, he is Adnan Verk from MLB NHL Network uh, and Cinephile Pod. Hey, what's the deal with the, like, is today International Movie Di- Trailer Day or something? Indiana Jones and Transformers? Like, it's it's Thursday. I thought Tuesday is, is trailer release day. You, you, I'm impressed, by the way, you knew that, Beck. I don't think people would know that. In this day and age, people don't even watch trailers anymore. So, first off, impressed you know it's Tuesday. I don't know what the heck. Well, I don't know why it's today. I wish I had a reason for it. Maybe it's the first day of December. We're certainly in the Oscar movie season right now. I pay 150 bucks a year to be a part of the Critics' Choice Association. And what that means is from American Thanksgiving to middle of January, I just get overloaded with stuff. So I went to Toronto last week, visit my parents. I come back. I have boxes upon boxes. Uh, Christmas has come early. I've got 30 DVDs to pour through right now. It's unbelievable. White Noise, uh, Adam Driver's new film. It's on Netflix, end of the month. Um, you name it. The, 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 the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. I was watching it today on my computer. I, uh, Pinocchio, the new Pinocchio movie, next Friday coming out on Netflix, Guillermo del Toro. So forget about the trailers. I've got so many more movies to get through here, but it's, uh, I'm going to try to go one a day here and see if I can knock on all these movies. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, hey, pal, we appreciate it as always. Uh, thanks for uh, answering the phone. Uh, I know we're taking a bit of a sabbatical. Yeah. I just want to say happy holidays, Vic. It's always fun, man. And if a major move happens, of course, give me a call. I will pick up the phone for you. You'll be the first one. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Vic. Take care. Our guy, at Adnan S. Verk on Twitter, uh, MLB NHL Network and the Cinephile Pod. All right. Uh, getting to the end of the show, uh, let's get to the People's Picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Loading up PlayNow.com. Thursday night football game, four points. 
Buffalo Bills favored on the road versus the New England Patriots. Uh, total looking at 44. Kind of like the over in this spot. I think we'll get some points tonight. Uh, Patriots, hey, look, they still have a chance in this division, which sounds bizarre. Miami's taking so many headlines. Buffalo, one of the top uh, favorites in the league. Obviously, the Jets have grown into the season as well. Uh, but I like this spot for the over uh, for this game here. Obviously, we know what the Bills can do. We talked about some props yesterday. Isaiah McKenzie, Josh Allen, first touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie with the over 31 and a half yards. Also keeping an eye on Ramondre Stevenson touchdowns. That's the other one to keep an eye on uh, for this evening. For the Thursday night football game between the Bills and the Patriots. That's the People's Picks, brought to you by PlayNow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at PlayNow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Again, uh, the over there, uh, paying off at 1.9 uh, for tonight. Uh, and touchdown score uh, for the Patriots uh, for Ramondre Stevenson is minus 110. Dom? Oh, you can finish the uh, people's fix. I'm done. Okay. Uh, I just want to say, because you brought it up with Adnan, Beast Wars is my childhood, and I can't wait to watch this movie. That's the Transformers one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Honestly, okay. So I watched Spider-Man No Way Home yesterday. Yeah? I think I'm done with all the Marvel and super action superhero movies. You're old. You're older than I am. So no, I, it's, I know it's, you're not going to get it. No, no. It just it's, it's just too much now. Nah. And I know nah. this is a different, you know, Marvel and Transformers yeah. is, is is different. I, I need better variety of movies coming out. Well, because here's the thing. Just don't oversaturate yourself with them. Don't watch every single but, one. But if every movie, like I can only go to the theaters to watch the movies that are put out. If every movie is like, hey, we got to do big, big yeah. brand is the only way you're buying popcorn and no, candy. That's not, true. And, that's not true. There's not enough not is true. what I'm saying. There's not enough of other movies. That aside. Like Indiana this Jones five peak. today? Oh. Like what is happening? I thought I thought we were done. So did I. I thought Harrison Ford said no more. I guess they just paid him enough money to come back. That's the problem. People are like, hey, the only way we can get people to the box office is when there's action and things like that. Or remakes. Or remakes. That's it. Tugging at your heartstrings. Like But this isn't a remake. This is this is the first Beast Wars movie ever. I honestly, I saw the trailer and I was like, what? King Kong meets Transformers? I had no idea what was going on. I was like nine years old when it came out. Peak Dominic childhood right there. Optimus Dom. That's where I start calling you. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got to get out of here. Uh, Dan Reacher was mad at me yesterday for uh, a late show yesterday. So I'll, I'll, I'll do so this. So what? I'm kidding. He wasn't mad. He was He was just disappointed. That's their uh, problem. <laughs> Dan Reacher, Sanchez Show. Connect Central on the way. They got the pregame show as well. Puck drops later today at 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650.